What's up, everybody? It's Pastor James. It's great to be back with you for the Midweek Bible Study. Today, we will be finishing up chapter 11 as Paul begins to talk about his many trials that he has experienced as an apostle and servant of Christ. Now, this is definitely a continuation of the first half of the chapter that we covered last week, but Paul opens up and begins to share... Uh, really some intimate things that he's experienced as an apostle of Christ. And uh, what Paul's about to share is perhaps the most revealing of his devotion to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So read with me 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 through 33, which is the last half of the chapter. Again, I say, don't think I am a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, listen to me as you would to a foolish person, while I also boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool, and since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again, I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches, who is weak without my feeling that weakness, who is led astray and I do not burn with anger. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Eratus kept guards at the city gates to catch me, and I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. Alright, <clears throat> so once again we see that Paul is acknowledging that this whole thing is foolishness. But sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. And Paul is reminding the Corinthians to put up with his foolishness because apparently they seem to be very willing to put up with the foolishness of these false apostles that he's been pushing against for the past uh, several months. So why would they not listen to him and his explanation as to why he should be considered an apostle without any hesitation? And it's interesting that Paul does state that this boasting about what he has endured is foolish. I mean, that's a little hard to take in as a pastor and as a believer because, um, you know, I feel like many times I've given up a lot of things and, and suffered a lot for the Lord. But at the same time, I don't feel like I've suffered anything near what Paul has suffered. But Paul is saying um, that him talking about what he's done is foolishness. And that's pretty humbling 
because Paul suffers and endures a great deal in the name of Christ, but he basically just says it's foolish to even talk about it. Now, in verse 20, Paul talks about the Corinthians and how they've put up with the foolishness of the false apostles and how it has allowed them, the the false apostles, to enslave the Corinthians. And Paul says they've been taken advantage of. Uh, They've been controlled. They've taken everything they've had. And they've even been physically assaulted. You know, Paul says that they've been slapped in the face. And this might give us a little bit of insight as to the idea that Paul himself was probably physically assaulted, experienced slapped in the face um, in his last visit, which is somewhat of a, you know, we don't really know but this may give us insight as to the fact that he might have endured that if these false apostles were in fact slapping their own people in their congregation, then why wouldn't they be willing to do this to Paul if they were trying to discredit him as an apostle and bring him under their authority? So Paul's sarcasm is uh, coming out in the midst of this, <clears throat> as you can tell. And in verse 21, He claims that he is ashamed to be too weak to do these things. As he mentions all these terrible things that the false apostles are doing, Paul claims that he's too weak to do them because they've been saying that Paul is too weak. Paul doesn't have authority. Paul isn't this. Paul isn't that. And so Paul is sarcastically saying, well, I guess I'm just too weak to slap you in the face and take advantage of you and take what you have. Um, And so Paul... And his sarcasm is kind of saying, hey, like maybe I should mistreat you if I want to be considered as an apostle, but I'm not willing to do that. And uh, it's it's kind of a, a humorous thing that the Corinthians were willing to put up with this from these false apostles, but they were not willing to accept Paul for a little while as an apostle, even though now that's kind of shifting. So Paul's fighting fire with fire. Um, he's using foolishness in the midst of this to uh, kind of get his point across. And although he may not be willing to stoop completely to the false apostles' level and slapping the people and taking advantage of them, he's going to boast just like these false apostles are boasting in foolishness. And he begins to list all of the credentials that are important to these false apostles. Now, These false apostles and other people throughout the New Testament kind of get caught up in this whole idea of bragging about certain things to elevate themselves above one another. Now, this is is a common thing. It's a common thing throughout the New Testament. Um, So it's no surprise that it's happening here, but it seems to be very... um, very enslaving and captivating here in Corinth. And so he's he's going to begin to talk about these things, and he does it because Paul definitely meets all the requirements that they are saying are so important in being an apostle. So let's start with the fact that Paul is a Hebrew, and that he's an Israelite, and he's a descendant of Abraham. And it's worth noting that he mentions these three things as separate, although... From our perspective, they're saying almost the same thing. Um, so let's just talk about what it means to be an American. Like We can be a citizen. We can be an American. And this will kind of help you understand what we're talking about. So being an American brings about wonderful privilege, a great sense of pride, a great understanding of the blessings that we have. And if you don't feel that way, I, the only thing I can do is encourage you to go visit some other countries. I've had the privilege of going some different places in the world, 
visiting some, some lower level countries um, <clears throat> and just seeing what third world countries look like. And man, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be in America. And you just cannot express how wonderful that is. So it's a wonderful thing to be an American. But even in America, back to what we're talking about, um, <clears throat> Americans look down on each other or maybe envy each other for various different things. For example, um, it could be what part of the country you're from. So I know living in the South, it's a typical understanding that Northerners look down on Southerners and Southerners look down on Northerners for various cultural differences just being in those two different parts of the country. Now there's a, a big rift between um, West Coast, uh, more liberal areas versus the East Coast. And so uh, it, it is quite interesting in just different areas of the United States how we view one another and how we elevate ourselves above one another just in the areas that we live in. Now we can even take that further. Um, for example, where uh, we live here in Chesney, Chesney is not, uh, I would say, not quite as uh, glorious of an area as some other areas in Spartanburg County. So uh, when I tell people I'm from Chesney, sometimes I get some looks uh, and, and the understanding that people don't think too highly of that. However, I think Chesney is a great place. I love it here. This is my home. Um, wouldn't want to live anywhere else. So you even kind of get the feeling that even living in Spartanburg County, which is great, is not as good as living in Greenville County for, for a lot of people. Uh, then you have the understanding of whether or not you live in a city or you live in rural areas. Or uh, even maybe you can talk about what ethnicity you are or what family you come from. And all those things play a great deal into how we as Americans view one another. So what Paul is doing is he is saying that not only was he a descendant of Abraham, and not only was he an Israelite, not only was he a Hebrew, but Paul is actually, a, he's a Jew of Judean descent. And, and this is important because of all the tribes, the Judean tribes would have been considered um, or the Judean tribe, I'm sorry, would have been considered the most prominent, and Paul is of that descent. His bloodline was as high as you could ask for. His education was as high as you could ask for. Paul really was an exemplary Jew, and this isn't the only time you see him mentioning this because this isn't the only time that people are trying to claim that your heritage or your bloodline is important. So Paul is definitely from one of the greatest uh, bloodlines in the whole aspect of the Jewish Hebrew culture. And Paul also begins to express his identity as, as a servant of Christ and the fact that he knows that he served Christ far more than these false apostles. And that may sound prideful and arrogant, but let's just be realistic for a second. He knows this because... While the false, false apostles are stuck in Corinth trying to take things from the Corinthian church, trying to enslave them, trying to take advantage of them, and while they're slapping them around, Paul has been busy serving the Lord. And he's been in prison multiple times. He's been whipped countless times. He's faced death multiple times. 
He's received 39 lashes five different times. And so just to kind of give you an idea of why that 39 number is significant, 40 lashes was the maximum lashes that a person could receive according to Deuteronomy chapter 25. And so the religious leaders kind of knocked it down to 39 just to make sure that they did not receive any more lashes than were necessary so that they themselves wouldn't break the law. So in their effort to be pious, they drop it down 1 to 39, and Paul had received that five times. Three times Paul was beaten with rods. Paul was actually stoned once, and this is important because you read in Acts uh, where Paul was in Lystra with Barnabas, and he was stoned. And the people of Lystra actually thought that Paul was dead. They drug him out of the town, left his body outside the town, thinking he was dead. And Paul actually gets back up and goes back inside the town. Paul is a tough dude. Like he's been, he's been stoned. He had rocks thrown at him to the point where they thought he was dead. And he gets up and goes back into the town. He's been shipwrecked three times. He spent an entire day and night adrift at sea. He's crossed dangerous rivers. He's faced robbers. He's suffered from his own people. He's suffered from Gentiles. He's survived in cities. He's survived in deserts. He's survived on the seas. And he's fought his entire ministry as an apostle. And he's been tired and hungry. And he's been cold and he's like clothing. And I was reading something the other day that was stating that we don't have any written evidence or indication at all of anyone else traveling the amount of distance that Paul traveled in the ancient world. According to what we have in historical documents, Paul traveled more miles than anyone else ever in the ancient world. I mean, it's just incredible what he endured in the name of Christ. And so while these false apostles who were from Corinth uh, were trying to manipulate and enslave their own people, Paul was out doing God's work, suffering a great deal for it. Now, Paul's been tired, he's been hungry, he's been cold, he's been without clothing. And on top of all this, Paul continually deals with this burden of all the churches that he has helped start. Um, all these places that he's ministered to, all these people that, that have professed faith in Jesus Christ, Paul feels a great deal of responsibility for them. And that burden for those churches weighs on Paul continuously. And it's a burden that you can't really understand until you... Um, until you're a pastor, until you're the one in charge of that. And I can say that from my own personal perspective of even being in youth ministry for 14 years. And you think you have an understanding of what being a pastor is like. And as a youth pastor for 14 years, I worked alongside of two different pastors. I saw what they did. I saw what they did behind the scenes. I saw what they went through. I saw the frustrations that they endured as they shared with me sometimes. And so I really thought I had a good understanding of that until five years ago when I became a senior pastor myself. And when you're in charge of the whole church and you're in charge of of everything that happens and you take responsibility for that, it weighs on you totally different. You cannot even begin to understand what it's like until you do it yourself. And I can say that because I was as close as you could be to that for 14 years. 
and I didn't truly understand it until I stepped in those shoes myself. So Paul, along with all this suffering, Paul is enduring the burden of all these churches. It weighs on him constantly, and the anger and jealousy of him uh, as these people are being led astray weighs on him as well because Paul is responsible for these people. His calling is very important and personal, and he cares so much for these people. Now, Paul wraps up this chapter by communicating his weaknesses. And uh, it's important to understand that powerful people don't suffer. Powerful people make others suffer on their behalf. Now, that's a trend of the world, not necessarily... Uh, a Christian, but of the world. And that is what the false apostles were doing. They were lording over the Corinthians so that the Corinthians were the one that were suffering and the false apostles were benefiting from this. And Paul wanted to bring to light the fact that he was suffering with the true Christians in Corinthians. He was suffering with them. And he wanted them to know how weak he was because he had no desire to receive glory and honor. Paul only wants God to receive glory and honor, and God is the one who's worthy of the eternal praise which we see Paul write about. Now, the last two verses, 32 and 33, um, they kind of leave us on a cliffhanger. And again, we don't know why they are divided up in into this chapter and not just uh, bumped over into chapter 12 because they clearly lead into chapter 12. And um, <clears throat> But, you know, better people than us made the decision and divided these scriptures up. And I'm, I'm very thankful that they did what they did so that we would have uh, scripture today. So I'm not going to complain. But anyways, just know that those two verses are very much leading into chapter 12. And Paul is going to continue on talking about his weaknesses in chapter 12. So that God gets all the praise and the honor and the glory. So in a nutshell, Paul is uh, doing the exact opposite of what the false apostles are doing. And that's what he's communicating in chapter 11. The false apostles want power. They want honor. They want respect. uh, They want credit. They want to benefit from all these things. Paul is trying to show his weakness, his suffering, and his need for Christ so that Christ will receive all the glory and the honor. So in closing out today, I just want to ask you guys this question. In your life, in your walk with Christ, who is getting all the credit and the honor and the glory? Is it you or is it him? Paul is making sure that Christ is going to be the one who gets all the credit and honor and the glory. Who are you trying to give that to? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day and for everything you've given us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for life. We thank you so much for people like Paul who were willing to suffer a great deal so that the gospel could be spread, so that accountability could be had, so that others could grow and mature in their faith as a result. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to um, glorify you in our lives, to let our weaknesses shine through so that you can be shown as the one who is strong and capable to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine. We love you today. We thank you for all this, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. As always, we love you. We are so thankful you're a part of the Graham Chapel family. And if you can't be here on campus this coming weekend, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.